In classic 2019 Phillies fashion, after disappointing in a three-game series against the Padres, the Phillies go on the road up to Boston and, of course, last night win a game that you didn't expect them to win at any point until the unexpected game-ending double play that won it. But ultimately, the Phillies a big victory last night in Boston, a 3-2 to win over the Red Sox to improve to 65 and 60 on the season. This is Philly Stamros, James Seltzer. It is Wednesday, August the 21st as we come off of Philly's victory last night, 3-2. It's funny because the Phillies 65 and 60 on the season, only a game worse than the Red Sox at 67 and 60 uh, as the Red Sox have two more wins, but the same amount of losses, so a game and a half worse there. Um, then the Red Sox, two games in the loss column, uh, two games in the wing column, excuse me, no games in the loss column, so two games in hand. Uh, but obviously the Red Sox way out of playoff condition in the American League. We haven't talked enough this year about how lucky the Phillies are to be playing in the National League as we have had a lot of fun talking about the standings and the fact that despite how disappointing they've been at times, despite how frustrating this club has been, this Phillies team has and probably will remain in it, quote-unquote, until the end of the season, whereas if they were an American League team, they would be nine games out of a playoff spot. Nine games. The Tampa Bay Rays are the second wild card, and they are nine games out of it. They are we 11 and a half behind the Indians who were the first wild card in the American League. How insane is that to think about that the Philly season would just be over at this point? We'd be talking about a team that was nine games out left, which would probably feel more realistic than what we've seen. Uh, You know, the team that we felt, obviously, it's been like the, the issue we've had all season pulling at us from both ends, this team that just isn't that good for the most of the time but yet a playoff contender. So um, we should be grateful as the Boston Red Sox are uh, are six games out of a playoff spot and the uh, Phillies would be even further out. They'd be uh, eight games out, excuse me, eight games out if they were in the American League, which is crazy to think about. Eight games out of a playoff spot. Uh, so luckily they're not. And luckily last night they were able to take advantage of an American League team that maybe uh, doesn't have quite as much to play for. Who would have thought of that as the reigning World Series championship Champions less likely to make the playoffs than the Phillies. The Phillies get it going. Uh, unfortunately, the bats don't still not going after the you know big outpouring of runs, the eleven to one victory uh, over the Cubs, and then of course the six run ninth with the Bryce Harper grand slam the next night. They have kind of gone cold since then. Eight runs the Friday night. Excuse me. After that, in the uh, two games they lost three and two runs, and then the last night put up three. Luckily. Enough to get the job done thanks to Aaron Nola and a uh, surprising uh, inning combined from uh, Jose Alvarez and Mike Morin. And then Hector Neres gets through the ninth with some help and some stellar defense. We'll dive into it all. But um, the Phillies lucky that the pitching showed up and they were able to really just hold it down. A 3-2 victory. Again, it's frustrating to not see the offense get going more, especially against a guy like Brian Johnson getting the start for Boston. Johnson coming into the game with an ERA in the mid sixes, he goes three and two thirds innings, gives up three runs. So the Phillies did get to him, uh, but not quite as much as you feel like they could have. And then after that, a Red Sox bullpen that hasn't been very good this year. 
Um, shuts the Phillies down as they're unable to get anything else going. Luckily, Aaron Nola came to play last night. Nola, another stellar outing. Seven innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, one walk, only two runs allowed. Gets his 12th win of the season, 12-3 and three on the season, which is amazing to think about with all the rough times he had early in the season that Nola's record is so good as the Phillies bailed him out a lot of those games. But Nola just a... Another great outing, and we'll talk a little bit more about Nola coming up. It's an interesting potential plan for Aaron Nola the rest of the season was posited by the Phillies. We'll talk about that, but Nola, last night at least, just stellar. Yet again, we remember how great he was at Fenway last year in uh, the nationally televised game. One of the best, if not best, games I've ever seen Aaron Nola pitch. He wasn't quite that good last night, but he was certainly awesome. Nola continues to be the one pitcher on this team that you have 100% faith and confidence in is that is something that is few and far between with this staff this year, but Nola certainly had it last night. Well, the bats didn't get going. Reese Hoskins, a nice job in the leadoff spot, one for three with two walks, obviously. Um, not the uh, the breakout you want to see. A single and two walks is not super exciting, but it's better than he's been. Uh, 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 you know, Getting on base three out of five times at the plate, that is something. When he's in the leadoff spot, we'll have more on reason the leadoff spot coming up as well. But um, Bryce Harper, one for four, scores a run. Gene Segura goes one for four with two RBIs. Another big hit for Segura. It feels like he's been getting huge hits for this team over the last few weeks just consistently. And uh, another big night for Segura in the cleanup bowl. Only that one double, but a big one. Then you get a couple hits from uh, Kingery and Cesar as Kingery drives in a run as well. But other than that, not a ton of offensive output, only seven hits on the evening in total for a Phillies team that should be able to do better. You know, this is a Red Sox team that is not very good from a pitching perspective, certainly beatable. Brian Johnson, someone they took some advantage of, but probably could have done even more damage against, and then the bullpen after that, just unable to get anything going. And, and ultimately, it didn't cost them as the Phillies got lucky. A, that the bullpen gets through as Alvarez and Morin find a way through it. Look for a minute there that it was going to be a disaster. They find their way through. Two guys who you don't feel great going into any game at any point anyway. And then Hector Neris, uh, the ninth inning plays out in a wild fashion. As Neris comes in for the save, uh, Neris ends up pitching his 12th consecutive uh, scoreless inning. I saw Corey Seidman put that up on Twitter. Um, so Neris has been pretty good lately. Neris comes in, um, allows a leadoff double to Xander Bogarts. And you're sitting there like, yep, here we go again. This is what's going to happen. Heart of the lineup up. J.D. Martinez stepping to the plate. That guy's a beast. We know what's going to happen here. We've seen this story. We've seen this play out before, and and it didn't. J.D. Martinez, it's a grounder to the left side. Gene Segura with a very heads-up play, able to throw Bogarts out at third. I don't know what Bogarts was thinking. Uh, it was a situation where you, you never concede that you're running at third base there until Segura makes the throw to first, if you're going to do it at all. I mean, that was just a... A crazy decision by Bogarts. I, I don't know why you're running on contact there with no outs and you're on second base. The, the worst thing you can do is get thrown out. If you're on second base after that, that's not the end of the world. You're still on second with one out. So uh, a horrible, horrendous decision by Bogarts. But the Phillies were able to prey on it. Segura, very heads-up play, throws to third, gets him out. Then the next batter, Andrew Benatende. It's a scorcher to second. And uh, obviously... Uh, didn't work out for the Red Sox as Cesar gloves it, throws to first to double J.D. Martinez. Well, that, excuse me, it wasn't J.D. Martinez. Pinch runner came in, double off pinch runner, and that was it. 
And that was all she wrote. And all of a sudden, it was a game that you just felt. You knew. You're like, Hector Neris is about to blow this. This game is going to be a loss because that's what this Phillies team does. And they didn't. And they got a little help. They made some nice defensive plays. They got some nice help from the Boston base runners. And they worked it out. And they were able to get through with the victory. Again, not a pretty one at all times. One that was certainly terrifying at the end. And again, I'm, I'm still shocked they actually won the game. I'm shocked. That's the type of game the Phillies... 2019 Phillies don't win and have not won very often. They win it, and it's a big one as they uh, hopefully can start to get back and roll now. If you want to look at it in a positive light, they've won five of seven. Won five of seven as they won four, lost two, won one. If they can win tonight, if they can go into Boston and, and handle business and then head to Miami to face a Miami team that we know has given them troubles, but you would hope they can go in there and, and just continue to roll this momentum. We talked a lot about the schedule yesterday is the time to get on a roll if it's going to happen, which, again, I, I don't believe you can possibly feel confident about happening. But if it's going to happen, now's the time, and winning the first game in Boston is nice. Of course, you know, this Phillies team this year, you would expect that they will probably come back tonight and lose because that's what they've done all year. Smiley versus Porcello, we'll dive into that later. But, you know, I'm not expecting them to win, but if they do, that would be fun. And then 6 of 8, and then maybe we can start and get on a roll in Miami and Easier competition, who knows what happens. But right now, I need to see it to believe it. So we'll see what happens tonight. Either way, nice to get off on the right foot, winning the first game of the series against Boston. We'll dive more into tonight's matchup in a bit. I mentioned before uh, Aaron Nola. Uh, again, another stellar outing from Nola as he has been the one pitcher, starter or reliever, really. You can 100% confident uh, feel 100% confident about this season. Naris has been really good. Other guys have been solid, but you know, Aaron Nola, the only horse you have, the only guy you really feel great about, and certainly in the rotation, and has just been lights out for the last couple months. Um, and Jim Salisbury had an interesting piece on NBC Sports Philadelphia talking about the Phillies considering a plan to quote-unquote max out Aaron Nola the, the rest of the way. What that plan would entail is that Nola would pitch every fifth day for the remainder of the season, regardless of if they're off days or anything between his starts, which is, I think, smart, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, you hope he can handle the workload, but in terms of, you know, pitchers can usually pitch every fifth day. They're usually good with that. Um, that would be, obviously, you need Nola out there as much as possible. Uh, Kapler said about it, it's something we've discussed over the course of the last 10 days. Um, it's something that we're considering. I don't want to make any announcements, but starting here in fifth day would also put him in line to start the last game of the season or give us a chance to have him start the last game of the season. It's a major consideration. One we'll talk about after getting through the start, um, that was talking before last night's start. Um, and he said that, um, he thinks it could be a likelihood that, uh, it would definitely start on Sunday as they have an off day that Nola would pitch in Miami on Sunday, and I think, look, a no-brainer of a plan in my mind. This is, again, assuming they believe Nola can handle the innings, handle the limit, which it feels like you know he can, would end up around a similar innings uh, amount that he was at last year. I think he felt pretty good about uh, I think that, look, if this team's going to make the playoffs, Aaron Nola has to pitch as much as possible. We really want to say, can he pitch every fourth day? And you know you're not going to push him like that. But I think, look, at this point, there's no reason to have him sitting off days. We're in the home stretch. This is it. If they're going to make the playoffs – it's going to be on his back, and I, I do think it's an important consideration to have him available for the last day of the season because whether there's a really good chance that this team is going to need that last day to get in if they can get in at all is 
again, you know, they are they are still a couple games back, and that's, uh, you know, the type of thing where I don't see them running away with it. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't think they're that much better than any of these teams, and I don't think any of these teams are that much better than them. And that could come down to a, a last game, a 163rd game, a playoff game, obviously the wild card game after that. Um, having options with Nola, having him lined up where he could start that last game, or if they don't need that last game, start the wild card game or whatever, or start game 163 if that's how that's going to play out. Um, I think is a really important, important thing for this team, an important option. And I think it's really smart to do. So I'm happy that they're going to do that. I think it's the right move. I think it's. Um, Almost imperative at this point if they want to make a run for the playoffs, which again, it is seemed like they've had mixed messages at times about how much they really believe in making a run this year. But obviously, firing John Maley and bringing in Charlie Manuel, John Middleton is saying, Hey, we're, we're going for it this year, no matter what. In addition to the future, obviously, and um, uh, I think it's gonna be really interesting. Uh, I think they should max out Nola in this case again, as long as they really organizationally feel comfortable with it from a health perspective. Um, I think that's a, a really smart move as, as he should be able to go every fifth day and that's something they desperately need. You know, they need Aaron Nolan to pitch as much as possible to have any chance. One more thing on last night's game. Uh, Reese Hoskins, we talked yesterday a lot about the struggles he has had since the All-Star break. Um, coming into last night, a 168 average in the 33 games he's played since the All-Star break, a 651 OPS. Had just been horrendous. A guy who has Obviously, always been a streaky hitter in his career, but in this case, the worst streak of his career in terms of, of a cold spell, and he's just been an awful, awful, awful hitter over that stretch. And uh, prior to the game, Kapler was asked about the decision to keep Reese Hoskins in the leadoff spot, and um, responded to it, said he said, right now we need somebody to lead off the game. Quite frankly, I don't really care how it's interpreted responding to uh, him being in the leadoff spot. He's good in that spot. He sees pitches. You lead off the game one time during the game, and in that time, he is well-suited to work a pitcher, to grind a pitcher, and to see pitches that all of his te- so that all of his teammates are watching and see what pitches the opposing starting pitcher has that day. So I, I think that that's a, um, a really fair point. And again, I haven't had as big a problem with reason the leadoff spot as others. I would probably have, have also considered dropping him lower in the lineup as he's struggling so much if, you know, 6-7 takes some pressure off, but... Look, Reese does see pitches. He still leads baseball in that, even when he's been struggling. And Kapler's right about that. That is something where you can watch and see what the pitches are coming in. Oh, well, he's got a sinker today. He's, you know, this and that. Like, whatever they are, they have their scouting reports. But it's good to see it live and see what's happening. And, you know, that matters. And then just getting a pitcher and, in a, in a, uh, you know, working hard early and, and get them deep in counts, all that matters. But um, he's not prototypical. I don't know if he's ideal. But I understand it from Kapler's perspective. At least he sees pitches. At least he you know, kind of is a intimidating force to start off the game. And, and Kapler does say only lead off a game once, which is true as well. That kind of is irrelevant after that. Kapler's also defended the fact that he thinks that Hoskins is getting a bad rap because the ball's going harder off his bat um, and he's just getting unlucky. I don't agree with that as much necessarily in the sense that we, we've watched Reese, We know him. We've seen him. He looks lost. He looks like a mess. But last night was better. Again, only the one hit, but the two walks um, – on base three out of five times. That's what you want out of a leadoff hitter. He scored one of their three, one of their three runs. Um, again, it's not back to Reese being a stud yet or anything. But I, I thought last night at least a a nice night for Reese and hopefully something he can build on. And Charlie with the off day to work with him on Monday, another off day on Thursday, maybe can start to get him back in the right direction. And, and a healthy Reese leading off or wherever is obviously a, a, a productive Reese is obviously 
So, so massively important. All right, coming up, some thoughts on Kaplers. We talked a little bit yesterday about game. I have some more thoughts on that as well as we look ahead to tonight's game against the Red Sox. As the Phillies look to actually sweep a series. Yes, only a two-game series, but wouldn't that be wild? The Phillies hate sweeping series. We'll see if they actually want to maybe go for it tonight. We'll dive into that and a whole lot more coming up. It's Phillies today. It's James Seltzer. We're coming right back. We are back. Phillies today. James Seltzer coming up. In a little bit, we'll look ahead to the matchup tonight, game two against Red Sox. But I wanted to, a quick thought on Kaplers. We talked a lot yesterday about the tone-deaf kind of nature of Kapler and the fact that, you know, I think all of Philadelphia is getting tired of the, you know, kind of BS responses after games where it's like, just be real. Um, you know, again, I, I'll say it once, I'll say it a million times. I don't care if you rip your players, just be real. Just say, Hey, we weren't great tonight. You don't have to single guys out. Just be real. Don't say you're proud of guys after, you know, for working counts and they all strike out in that inning against Kirby. It's all that stuff. It's just very frustrating. But on a, on a different note with Gabe, I, I, I was really thinking about this when I was thinking about these issues with Gabe and where I'm at and, and someone who's really been a fan of Gabe for the most part, uh, until, you know, certain things this season, and it started to devolve more so. I'm, I'm certainly less fervent on Gabe. But I also, as many people have talked about, I also don't feel great about Klintak and McPhail above him. So, um, and I really think that Gabe has done an okay job with a roster that has holes. And obviously injuries and all that have come along. But um, it creates a conundrum where I've said many times and still believe that if they don't make the playoffs, Gabe will lose his job. And again, circumstantial, if they fight to the last day, if they get to game 163, maybe there's a chance he keeps it. You know, if they're in it to the last day of the season and it's not necessarily a, a bad, you know, they don't collapse or anything. But if they collapse, obviously I think he's out. And, and if they just miss it by two, three games, if they continue to play this mediocre brand of ball where they'll win a couple, then lose a couple, then win a couple, then lose a couple, and just at no point be inspiring for more than a, a four-game stretch, um, I think Gabe will lose his job, which begs the question of, I don't think that Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail will lose their jobs. Obviously, I think the fact that the um, extensions they were given leaked earlier this season matters. I think that John Middleton is coming on off an offseason where he waxed poetic about Matt Klintak and what a great GM. I think he called him an elite general manager at one point or another, you know, obviously after all this. And then for one season later for him to, to say, no, he, he stinks enough for me to get rid of him would be a, a real turn. So I would be really surprised. But I don't know about you, but I don't feel great about Matt Klintak getting to pick another manager as Klintak, again, is also really disappointed. And... One of the things that's frustrating about Gabe and the whole situation with Gabe is when that Bob Nightingale article comes out talking about how they love Gabe and they're all about Gabe and all that. And it really made it seem like the biggest reason they love Gabe is because he does what he, they tell him to do, that he's a team guy, that he's indoctrinated into their philosophy and all that. It makes it, you know, makes it seem like Gabe is just, they, they love Gabe because they'll do what they tell him to do. And, you know, would Clintac have the, the, comfort in his job and also the you know willingness to go out and hire someone who's going to contest him who's not necessarily going to agree with everything who's going to have a different way of doing things obviously you want harmony organizationally you want a manager and a general manager who think at least philosophically the same way about the game but I think it's also important and healthy to have differences of opinion to say no nah, maybe there's a good way to do it and it doesn't seem like that's the type of organizational situation they want and that worries me it really worries me in a situation where again 
right now, the way this season is playing out, if I had to bet my money, and again, this would, I wouldn't be getting good odds because they are not a favorite to make the playoffs, but I just don't expect the Phillies to make the playoffs. It's certainly possible. It certainly wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen. They're only, you know, two games out. They're right there. They're fighting for it, all that stuff, but... Um, I just don't feel great about their chances to make it. And the only reason I, I don't feel like they won't make it is because everyone else around them they're fighting with is so inherently flawed. The team they're chasing, first and foremost, the Cubs is a team that we just saw them sweep at home. Obviously, the Mets are tied with them. The Mets are a team that the last time we saw them were a laughing stock and obviously have played way, 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 way better since then. But uh, we're a laughing stock so it, at points of season. So, um you know, it's not that they can't pass those teams or they can't be better than those teams. I just can't expect it to happen. When all we've seen this season is the continuous disappointment where one night they're great, one night they stink, one night they're great, one night they stink. And I don't know why with 37 games left to play, we're going to expect anything different to happen. So if that's the way I think about it, and if I think that Gabe Kapler loses his job at the end of the playoffs, uh, if he doesn't make the playoffs, then ipso facto... I would have to bet, if I were a betting man, that Gabe Kapler will lose his job at the end of the season if I don't think they're making the playoffs. So with that in mind, it takes that next step, and you worry about, well, then what? Is Klintak going to try and find another person like Gabe Kapler who's going to you know, work what he wants him to do and be kind of a party-line guy for him and all that? Or is Klintak going to go out and find someone who is the best person to manage the Philadelphia Phillies? And those things could be mutually exclusive. It is possible. It could be that the best person to manage the Phillies is the person who, um, you know, Matt Klintak is going to listen to Klintak and sees the same ways, and that's possible. But it's also possible that it's not. And, you know, I, I just, uh, I hope, I think it's going to be a really interesting, tough situation, as I think there are a lot of people in Philadelphia who think that Matt Klintak doesn't deserve to pick another manager. Gabe Kapler was his hire. And if it doesn't work out this year and they don't make the playoffs, then there are going to be a lot of people who are angry about that. And obviously we all know that Gabe is not a uh, well-liked manager in this city, especially right now. I think we all know that. And again, I'm someone who's been more pro-Gabe than most until you know, recently where I've started to, to waver in my Gabe support. But again, I'm not even all out. If they make the playoffs, I understand if they bring them back. All that stuff, it's just a really tough conundrum right now for this team, and I think it's really shaky. I think it's really a, a shaky time for this franchise right now for what the future could hold. And and again, I just I don't see a way Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail lose their jobs. If the Phillies crater and maybe miss out on the playoffs by five, six games or something, you never know what could happen, but... I would be really surprised if after the events of the last eight months, the offseason, the Middleton talk, all that stuff, and what happens now if they don't make the playoffs, that Klentak and McPhail would be gone. But I think Kapler would be, and that's an interesting situation where all of a sudden Klentak is in charge of picking another manager. Um, all right, well, that is luckily not something we have to deal with yet. And look, best case scenario, they make the playoffs, and then we don't have to worry about that yet. And there's a you know, uh, an excitement and maybe a positivity and, and, and important reps that can carry over and all that. Again, I, I don't, I can't feel like it's likely, but it's certainly possible. And again, if it's going to happen, they have to start getting on runs. Even if they're mini runs where they win, you know, eight of 10 and then another eight of 10 and, or, you know, six of 10 and or seven of 10 and, you know, whatever. They got 37 games left. They got to win like 20 something of them. I mean, you know, for sure, 25, 26, um, who knows? They, they need to win. 
So every game matters tonight. A big one. Rick Porcello on the hill for the Red Sox. Going up against Drew Smiley. I think a, a kind of even pitching matchup. Porcello, you, you take over Smiley. But um, Smiley's pitched well against the Red Sox in his career. And uh, we'll see. I think it's going to be a really interesting one. They really need Drew to give him something tonight. The Phillies need to find a way to sweep this series and then go into Miami and get on a roll. It is, it is, it's everything. The season comes down to now. These are the most important games. Every game's important now, but they need to go on a run. They need to do it now. And it starts tonight in Boston after a nice win last night. Either way, we'll be back to talk about it tomorrow. Until then, thank you for listening to Phillies today right here on the Phillies 24-7 Network.